Well, this is the Pray for Surf podcast. Phil Miliarati here with a friend and guest, Mark Dillon, 50 Sides of the Beach Boys. Mark, good to hear your voice today. Thanks for being on this conversation. Hey, Phil, always a pleasure. Good deal. Uh, just remembering uh, that book that you brought out, 50 Sides of the Beach Boys, it's been a few years. Uh, give us an update. When did it come out and anything in the future? So it's been uh, six years now. It came out in 2012, uh, coinciding with the Beach Boys' big reunion tour. And uh, as far as an update, you know, you never know. I mean, there there is more to talk about, more chapters to be written. I mean, certainly the most uh, important studio release uh, the group has had in that time is the uh, their LP. That's why God made the radio. Uh, I didn't have time to get to that in my book, so that would certainly make an interesting chapter. And of course, there's been solo albums from uh, from Brian and Mike. So uh, yeah, certainly there there is more to talk about. Well, if you're not going to turn it into a book, we'll talk a little bit down the road. Maybe we'll do a podcast with that kind of focus. It'd be fun hearing your your, your views and insights. Always uh, good stuff. Sounds like a deal. Okay. Um, the thought that came to me as you as you were saying, uh, you know, that's six years ago, and there's been more stuff. Uh, you know, being of my age of 69, I, I know you're much younger than that, but living through Beach Boy decades. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I haven't really thought a lot about this, but I mean, these last 10, 15 years um, might be in terms of quantity of maybe not albums, but certainly quantity of um, great books coming out, yours being one of them. Uh, it just seems that rather than, you know, well, you should have paid attention when they were famous or making hits, it's, it's drying up. It, it just seems to be expanding. Uh, you get that impression, or am I just making that up? Well, I mean, let's face it. I mean, if if those guys want to uh, come out with uh, their own memoirs, they got to do it now. And uh, so Mike's done it. Brian's done it. I know some of the other members have talked about doing it. And I mean, as, in terms of archival releases, we know that vault of, of Beach Boys material is huge. And, uh, you know, because of these obscure copyright uh, regulations, you know, the, the band has to release stuff that has not previously been released or the copyright goes into the public domain. So that's why every year we're seeing uh, some great new archival release. There was a lot last year commemorating 1967, which was a very fruitful year for the band. And uh, I assume there's going to be one uh, this year and going forward. And those are always uh, very exciting to the fans. Yeah, very true. Very true. Well, this is uh, early April 2018. And the reason I mentioned that is are making this recording, having this conversation just happens to coincide with a surprise for me. I got some complimentary tickets last minute to uh, attend the Al Jardine concert in Chicago, a place called City Winery. And uh, you had asked me a question. I think it was just maybe how did it go or maybe you were looking for something specific. Yeah, I'd love to hear your review on the show. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I did post one on PrayForSurfBlog.blogspot.com, PrayForSurfBlog. Um, and what I found myself uh, thinking about during the show was uh, the phrase, uh, introducing Al Jardine. And that, I don't mean to sound haughty in that, but I think for, you know, Beach Boy fanatics like ourselves, uh, we, we know the, the depth of his contribution uh, along the years to the Beach Boys. Maybe not 
the greatest quantity of songs. Certainly as a songwriter, not the greatest quantity. You know, Mike and Brian have had more leads, all that kind of stuff. But it's like when he stepped up to the mic, uh, metaphorically speaking and literally speaking, it's like, wow, he, he, he's got a great batting average. Uh, you know, uh, Help Me Rhonda, um, you know, all the way in California Dream and later bringing that out, sort of the Sloop John B stuff. So just uh, even before the concert, I had that sense. So I began to list some things and probably uh, that review, probably about a dozen things of, you know, Al's contribution. And I, I think for the casual fan, I'm hoping that they see that, of course, this doesn't make Brian any less brilliant, doesn't make Mike any less the entertainer or the good lyricist. But Al was much more than, and, and I'm just saying this descriptively, I'm I'm also like this. He, he doesn't. He wasn't just the short guy playing the strum strum rhythm guitar. Um, he he really had a, a significant role. Uh, I, I would assume you'd have a similar viewpoint of his contribution. Maybe maybe not. He did he did a lot, you know. And uh, off the top of my head, I believe he played bass on the uh, studio recording of "Don't Worry Baby," which you know, is, is to me one of the top five greatest recordings that the Beach Boys ever laid down. I mean, yeah. he, he was pressed into all kinds of different uh, forms of duty. And I mean, you know, when when he sang Help Me Rhonda, I mean, he proved he had a, a great commercial voice. And it's it's often said lately that, you know, his voice is probably the best maintained out, out of any of the uh, remaining members. And, you know, I think what what is also sometimes forgotten is, you know, he his songwriting grew in the late 60s, and it started with collaborations with Brian, uh, songs like Wake the World and uh, Good Time. And uh, here's one that people seem to forget that he was involved on, It's About Time, you know, great Dennis rockin' song off Sunflower. That was co-written with Alan. I've never heard him, you know, talk much about that. I would like to uh, hear what he has to say about uh, co-writing that with Dennis. And, uh, you know, in that whole era, he, he brought this folk vibe, and uh, all those albums have uh, really nice cuts uh, by Al. All This Is That is one that uh, many people love, and, and he co-wrote that with Carl and I believe Mike. I mean, uh, yeah, his contribution can't be uh, sold short, for sure. Yeah. In terms of the concert, it uh, was... Uh, I knew, you know, I'd enjoy it, because, I mean, Beach Boys could probably stand on stage and just look at you, and I'd be glad to be in the room. <laughs> but uh, uh, Alan, his son Matt, and... Uh, a keyboardist who's a good friend and I think helps in management, a guy named Jeff. Uh, you know, the three of them walk on this small stage and thinking, well, you know, we're, they're going to try, you know, it'll mean well, it'll be nice to be, but but I was very surprised at the quality of the sound. It, it was like if you closed your eyes and you were listening to good vibrations, you knew it wasn't, you know, the good vibrations of, of the 45 and you knew it wasn't a, a 12-piece band with the Beach Boys or whatever or Brian, but it was amazing. It wasn't thin. Uh, it, at times it sounded like the full four or five part harmony. And of course it couldn't be, but anyway, I think it was an excellent show and it was a very different show. He, uh, in fact, the, the guy that I connected with from forgotten hits, a guy named Kent Cattell, he was also there. And in his review, he, uh, talked about how, uh, Al, uh, surprised us, you know, kind of with uh, not playing just some of, he expected Al to play a lot of, uh, you know, tunes that maybe Al had put on a postcard from California or that kind of thing. And, and there wouldn't be much Beach Boy stuff. And it was just the opposite. Other than postcard 
the postcard song itself, uh, it was all Beach Boys, but it was almost all chronological. The stories that he told in between with help from at times Matt and, and Jeff, but that was fine, um, made it really an, an evening with Al Jardine. It was, uh, it, was a, it was a great time. So I'm really gl- glad that I got to go. It's really cool. I hope he comes to Toronto. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. So maybe sometime uh, we could try to get him on the phone and see what he thinks about some of the things you just mentioned. Those are some good insights. For sure. So this is the Pray for Surf podcast, Phil Miliorati and Mark Dillon. And one of the things we want to talk about today is the Beach Boys humor album. Now, for those of you who know Beach Boys, you know there is no such thing. Um it's not like there's a secret album that hasn't been released. Uh, back in the day, there was a rumor going out that there was an album in the can called Reverberation that wasn't uh, released. It turned out to be probably just a name they used, a temporary holding name for some of the songs that um, might have come out, Sunflower, some, something, I'm forgetting the exact time frame. If you know, just correct me. But, but this is not that. What this is is... Uh, you and I started talking just offline here uh, some time back about uh, what, what I think we bo- we may not b- agree on what the songs would be, but we both agree that there's a humor element in uh, in the Beach Boys archives or their, their catalog, and it'd be fun to look at them. And so what we have talked about doing and we'll try to do here is kind of each uh, share what are using the old uh, 33 and a third LP format of six songs, six songs, see what we might come up with. But I thought I'd uh, start and ask for your feedback in this. Uh, humor um, could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So I literally looked up a definition uh, to at least help me get focused or get my sense of what do I mean by humor. And then here's a definition that I found. Humor is the tendency to, to particular cognitive experiences, but to provoke laughter and provide amusement the quality of being amusing or comic, especially as expressed in literature or speech, and we would say in in song as well, Uh, having a funny side, fun, amusement, hilarity. One more thing, though. Another definition of it is a mood or state of mind, uh, frame of mind. Uh, And and for me, that's a little bit more of what I'm thinking of here. This, This isn't a comedy album, of course, like, uh, Filet of Soul was meant to be with Jan and Dean or Jan and Dean meet the Batman, uh, meet Batman. It's not that. Um, and for me, the humor in the Beach Boys songs is not that you stop listening because you're laughing so much, but a smile comes to your face or you go, that was quirky. Uh, I just think to a person who has a good sense of humor can uh, do satire, of course, pun, but also can, in a sense, uh, reflect on themselves or humanity and get us laughing about something that might actually be very serious. Um, your thoughts, I didn't ask you to come up with definition, but uh, are we kind of in the same mindset here of what we're looking for in the Beach Boy catalog? What do you think? Well, it's going to be interesting what, what comes out uh, in terms of the songs that you and I have both picked. And I, I don't know which ones you have picked and you don't know which ones I have picked. But, you know, when I was thinking about what are, you know, the humorous Beach Boy songs and what, what makes them humorous, there's different things. I mean, it could be simply the topic of the song. It could yeah. be the way it's sung. 
It could be a line in a song. It could be the way the record is produced. So the humor comes out in different ways. And uh, humor was very important to Brian. And I think I think that's clear throughout his career. But, I mean, around the Smile era, yes, there was talk of, of maybe an all-humor album. He was recording a lot of, you know, what you might call comedy records. I mean, he thought that humor was important. I mean, this was an era of great seriousness, and he sort of cut through that sometimes with humor, you know, for people to let go of, of their ego, you know, as, as he wrote in a song, and, and, and to stop always trying to be super cool and super cold. He wanted to cut through that with humor and, and, and letting your ego go. And so I think uh, it, humor is almost a serious theme in, in, in Brian Wilson's music. Well, say that last line again. That's classic. I, I was just saying that uh, humor is a serious theme in Brian Wilson's music. And that's humorous all by itself. Um, anyway, scribble that down. All right, so why don't you, what's your first side? Side one, cut one. Why don't we, uh, I'm not sure if I'll end up doing all mine or just respond to yours, but we want to hear yours. So uh, start us off. What do you got? Well, yeah, we'll, we'll probably have some crossover because I think certain ones really stand out. Sure. But, um I, I went chronologically, and, and the first song, I mean, you go right back to that very first album, and uh, Chuggalug is one that I, I definitely had to uh, to include. And, okay. you know, this, this ties into my theme uh, of the topic of a song. I mean, who, who else is singing songs about root beer, you know? And, and, <laughs> and, and this is something that you get, um, you know, in, in Brian Wilson's songs, for for years to come. And I mean, when you get to the more psychedelic era, your initial thought, and we'll get to some of those songs, but I, I just want to say that, you know, you might yeah. think this is this is a product of, of experimenting with LSD or recreational drugs, seeing the world in a different way, seeing things that people take for granted. But I mean, this seems to be part of Brian's humor from the start of his recording career. I mean, you know, an ode to root beer and, and a very clever one as well. Uh, I love that song. Ode to Root Beer. I love that statement. i got to get that down. Um, and uh, I can't imagine, I can't believe we're, we're actually uh, parsing here on, on the song Chuggalug. But it, it's also, I wonder if there's a bit of a smirk in there, like, uh, yeah, we're the Beach Boys, we wear striped shirts, and we're good boys, and we're drinking root beer. But when you don't, you know, when you can't see us, you know, we're drinking something else. Um I don't know that he was still on a root beer beverage diet at that point, but just kind of a, again, a smirky kind of thing. And yet also it fits with so much of the, the song styles completely different, but some of the songs in the friends period and the, uh, you know, that I went to sleep and I, uh, you know, I, I made a phone call and I'm drinking root beer. It just, Part of it is I don't think Brian is necessary. Sometimes I think he's thinking humor. Sometimes he's being humorous and doesn't even know it. It's like, oh, yeah, let's let's talk about the root beer stand kind of thing. So uh, that that's kind of on my list, too. So uh, he, he's almost uh, too uh, to recorded music. What Seinfeld is the comedy. I mean, that's Seinfeld's shtick, right? It's, it's all about talking about the inconsequential things in life, but but making something out of them, you know, I love it. Seinfeldish. Yeah, he was Seinfeld before there was one. I like that. <laughs> All right, side one, cut two. What do you got? This one might surprise you. Uh, No-go showboat. Hmm, go ahead. 
off the Little Deuce Coop album. Yeah. So, I mean, here's a song. You know, they were writing about cars. Uh, you know, he, he co-wrote this one, I believe, with Roger Christian. I mean, usually the, the, the topic of, of these uh, car songs is about having the coolest car shutting the other guy down, having the Little mm. Deuce Coop. But here's one where the car looks great, so you might think from first impression that he's, he's got the, the hot machine, but... Uh, but it's a no-go showboat, meaning like it, it looks great, but it, it can't win a race uh, for the life of it. And I think it all comes down to this line. When it comes to speed, man, I'm just out of luck. I'm even shut down by the ice cream truck. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that is a great, great rhyme. That cracks me up every time. Yeah, for me, some of the songs that I listed are, frankly, only because of single lines like that. So maybe we can come up with a... Uh, a whole list of those kinds of things. Yeah, shut down by the ice cream truck. Love it. Um, I think the fun, to, I totally agree. It's not on my list, but totally agree. It's one of the humorous songs. But one of the humorous things about that song is listening to what I think she meant as a very serious cover in French by Petula Clark. Have you heard that one? No. Oh, it, you got to get it. I mean, it's not great music, but it's it's no-go showboat sung in French. Uh and what, what, what more can I say? I mean, <laughs> well, you're blowing my mind because I've never heard of that one before. Yeah, Petula Clark. Well, talk to me. We'll try to get it to you if, if uh, you can't find it. Okay, side one, uh, cut three. Now, I feel like I have to cheat at this point because it's hard to condense this down. But we have <laughs> to talk about the Beach Boys Party album because to me, that album is all about humor. Um, yeah. And, and that even is expanded upon when you listen to the uh, the Party Album Sessions album. But, I mean, you know, this is the, the guys taking a break. Like, obviously, Brian is in a period here of experimentation, pushing forward, serious themes like themes from his heart. You know, we saw it, uh, Beach Boys Today. We saw it in parts on Summer Days and Summer Nights. And we would see it very shortly thereafter on Pet Sounds. So this was a bit of a breather where they're just having fun. They were just selling fun. The, the Capitol Records wanted a fun, you know, record for that season, and this is what they delivered. It's, it's, it's them and, and Jan and Dean and, and their wives, girlfriends, friends, like in the studio, you know, singing some tunes and, and, and just goofing around. I mean, if I had to choose one song off that uh, album as representative, I think Papa Umau Mao would be a good one because, you know, it might be forgotten now, but this was a, uh, this was a regular on their set list. It was also on the Beach Boys concert album of 1964. So they obviously had an affection for this silly song, this cover, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's just nonsense. And, I mean, this sort of captures the feeling of, uh, of the party album. Um, I was listening to the sessions the other day, and, you know, it's just, it's just funny. You hear things like through the din, like, I brought some Cokes, potato chips, and some pot. At least that's what it sounds like to me. I could be wrong. <laughs> probably but, <laughs> probably like not. You're probably not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, there is some very funny stuff on this album. Um, they, they do a riff on the Bob Dylan song, She Belongs to Me, which some people might think is titled uh, She's an Artist, because that's the most famous line from, from that song. But, but Mike Love goes on this hilarious 
like sort of rap on uh, on she's an artist, you know, and he comes up yeah. with these great rhymes. I don't know where they came from, but stuff about armpit hair and stuff like that. It, it didn't make it on to the to the actual album, but it it is quite hilarious. And then we have other nonsensical songs like Alley Oop and Holly Gully, and they're even parodying their own songs. Uh, they have this uh, medley of I Get Around and Little Deuce Coop, and you know, Mike loves pretending he's like a super nerd and and I get around and he's coming up with some new lines. And I think sometimes it's to the detriment of that album, if I might say, because because of this need for it all to be lighthearted and funny, and they did those overdubs on top of of a lot of the recorded music. It's an interesting album because there's there's a real shot for both Al and Dennis um, to to sort of move their artistry forward. Because, I mean, we know that Al you know, is the folky and he does the times they are a change in. And he also recorded, um, blown in the wind, which, which didn't make it onto the final record. And Dennis covered John Lennon's, uh, hide your love away. So these songs, I think say a lot about those two guys. Like, I mean, Dennis and the heartfelt ballad, and he would soon write them, you know, an owl and the folk song, but then they, they felt this need to cut these potential artistic statements down a little bit by, overdubbing all the laughter in the middle of those songs, and it really kind of takes you out. And it's interesting that in the Sessions uh, remix, they do take out that stuff. So you can hear the songs, which are quite beautiful, like these like simple acoustic versions. But, you know, we talked about Al's voice and how great that is, and Dennis's voice, so expressive in that time, you know. So anyway, I, I think er- everything sort of had to fall in line with the kind of humor theme on that album. Yeah, good good analysis. Um, when you mentioned, you know, Alan and Dennis having a, a you know a serious song uh, solos, yet with the the humor mix, which we we're talking about humor, so we're glad there's humor there. But but yeah, it's like devoted to you that uh, Brian and Mike did. Uh, I think was free of that, at least in the released version. Well, and that's interesting because I mean they were, you know, the reigning songwriters at that time. So yeah, those guys, their beautiful song doesn't get messed up by. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if, if it's Dennis making a statement or Al making a statement, then you know, let's let's just take it lightly. Yeah, can't take it too serious. Yeah, good stuff. I uh, yeah, maybe we'll come back to that. So side one, cut four. What do you got? Or did you uh, count these my old man. I'm bugged. Okay. Talk about I mean, that. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is an interesting song, too, because it's funny, but, I mean, if you know the backstory, it might not be so funny. But, I mean, you know, first of all, we have this crazy vocal by Brian that he was – it's so crazy that he wouldn't even give himself credit for the vocal on, on the back of the album. He said, too embarrassed. It was credited to too embarrassed. But uh, so he's singing the silly voice over a kind of New Orleans piano about, uh, you know, being grounded by his dad because he came home late and they're eating steak and I'm in my room and all this. So, I mean, it's it's a very funny performance, but you just can't help knowing the relationship that Brian had with Murray that... uh, you know, and, and it was at a particular time, too, when, you know, Murray was writing him some letters and uh, telling him how disappointed he was in, in Brian's behavior and all this kind of stuff. So it's bittersweet, but uh, taken on its own, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty funny song that I think a lot of teens can uh, can react to, just, you know, having to deal with the authoritarian control of, of their parents. Yeah, I think that's why it works. Uh, but yet, uh, well, let me ask you this. When you heard it for the very first time, were you already aware of 
you know, the ghost of Murray Wilson, if you will? In other words, were you aware of the, the subtext of what was being said? Do you remember? I think uh, I was probably aware, but I mean, I think I was just sort of reacting. I mean, the, it was all kind of such a shocking song in a way, exactly. you know, like it's, yeah. it's so out of left field and the vocal especially makes it hard to take seriously. I mean, if Brian had sung that straight, maybe we would have taken it differently, but he sings it in such a deliberately silly way that I think that's where it sort of gets away with uh, being humorous. Yeah, and of course I was doing it in what I call real time, you know, when, when the album came out that next day, I'm listening to the song, and for me it was just that kind of expression, like, whoa, this is strange, it's <laughs> funny, it's, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then as the years go on, and, you know, I do a little research or reading, and uh, and I discover, it's like one day it was, it's almost like a light bulb goes on, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, there's something very serious here, very sad, really, um, that this this is really... Uh, revealing uh, truth about Brian's experience and you know sadly we know you know the whole family and not that anyone's family is perfect but uh, there certainly came under the spotlight so I agree I think this is uh, absolutely one that has to be on the humor album but uh, like with much humor sometimes we have to we laugh uh, in, so that we don't have to cry I guess but absolutely yeah and and a lot of people sometimes see Brian as, as such a victim of everybody, and maybe there's there's obviously some truth in that. But as I was listening to you talk about this, it was at the time when Murray was on his case. He had fired him, you know, after the, the Help Me Ronda sessions. And, uh, it's kind of brave of him to do this, even though it was, was produced in a you know silly, humorous way. So... Uh, st some strength on the inside, I guess, is all I'm trying well, to say. Well, and Murray, of course, in the 1971 interview with Rolling Stone, in reference to the song, said he meant it as a put-on, but he meant it, or, or something <laughs> to that effect. You know, And, I mean, the song ends with a, a huge put-down, where oh, Brian yeah. says, and, and he doesn't even know where it's at. I mean, you know, that any teenager could say that of their parents, but, I mean... <sighs> You know, when it came to their arguments in the studio about what was what was good music and what was not, I mean, if Brian said you're not where it's at, it, you know, for Brian in the 1960s, that that that's saying something. That is a put down. Like you don't understand record making. You know, you don't understand what's cool. You know, so that uh, that was definitely a shot. Yeah. Okay. Thought just you know, if the thought comes in my mind, I have to pass it along. So respond. You don't have to agree with this, but the thought was, could this be a I don't want to call it a precursor, but I, for some reason I juxtaposed this song with Till I Die. Uh, and, and I'm thinking, you know, when you said he doesn't even know where it's at, I mean, that's a, that's a, yeah, it's a put down, but it's also an angst or an angst type of statement. It's, uh, maybe I'm way over analyzing this, but it's like um, he's, he's unburdening his soul. He's uh, using a maybe a religious term, but he's lamenting. And uh, for some reason, I quickly thought of Till I Die, much more mature, much more older, future. Anyway, I don't want to make too much of that. But that, that came into my mind that hidden in there is, is some real lament that we hear in other songs later. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, uh, stylistically, those songs couldn't be further apart, but uh, it all sort of speaks to <laughs> yeah. Brian's feelings of alienation. Yep. So with that happy note, uh, side one, cut five, if you got one. I, I think this might be the, the, the most purely funny song, you know, of all the Beach Boys songs. And I don't know why people don't talk about it more, but she's going bald off Smiley Smile.
Okay, I didn't have. I don't think I have that on my list. Go for it. I mean, this is a song that I have played for people, and 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 you know, at a certain point, like you laugh and the, and the tears are rolling down your eyes because I mean, it's just such a such a weird psychedelic song about about you know a girl that I guess has gone on a trip, and we know what that meant in 1967, and afterwards all her hair falls out, and and then there's like this midsection where it seems they've all uh, the Beach Boys have all sucked helium balloons, and you know have yeah. have these sped up voices. Um, it's it's just a it's just you know like that album it's it's just totally weird and uh, you know great great effects I mean we think that Smiley Smile you know was very basic recording but I, I'm not quite sure how the heck they achieved uh, what they do on that record and uh, it, it's a great tune and uh, it's it's a it's a hilarious comedy record yeah it might be much more uh, oh I don't want to call it simplistic but simple in terms of instrumentation, but it's not necessarily simplistic. Um, just thinking about this, the, the, maybe it's more technical in the sense of, uh, uh, like you talk about helium sound or, or whatever. The, yeah, Brian uh, must have been playing with the the, uh, with the the recording speed for that whole section, the sha-na-na, what a blow yeah. section. It's It's just pure craziness. It is, and it came out. Wasn't it a redo of He Gives Speeches that w- that's was right. supposed to be in the original Smile album? Yeah, so, and so uh, you know that's something him and Van Dyke cooked up. But then uh, you know Mike is credited uh, on this one, um, and, and so let's you know he he deserves credit because he could take Brian's sort of psychedelic records and and add that element of humor, and we see that you know, yeah. several times, or, or Good Vibrations is not so much humorous, but I mean, he, he, as he always said, he brought it to something relatable to the Beach Boys audience. And I, I you know, it, that's, that's a great way that their partnership worked. They really clicked. They could really click on that kind of thing. You, you mentioned when you uh, identified this as one of the most pure humor songs, why don't more people talk about it? I wonder if it's because, maybe it's just me, but it's like, I don't think I get it uh, fully. <laughs> And so rather than sound, uh, you know, expose my ignorance, I'll just skip on it. So I'm glad you included that one. Good, good one. Is, you, got a, you got a song six on side one? So, I mean, if we stick in the Smile era, I mean, you know, the title Smile, I guess, says something right there. But uh, here's one that never made it, you know, at the time, but I mean, we we heard it in bootlegs, and now it is available, and that's George fell into his French horn. If, yeah. You know, if ever there was an attempt of of you know it, it, of making a pure comedy record, I mean, there there it is, you know. And if Brian thought of making a whole album this kind of stuff, so I mean, here's for those who don't know a little story of of uh, I think Brian being the central character, like shrinking and ending up in the piano keys. And no, wait a sec. You know, there's two of them. I'm, mix, I'm mixing two up. There's one where, where somebody falls into the horn and is talking through the horn. Yeah. And then there's another one where, where somebody, Brian, is in the piano keys and they, they have to get him right. out. So we'll, we'll, we'll consider that one, one extended track. Sure. But anyway, well, so here's the, the yeah. kind of silliness that he was doing in the studio at the time. Well, and what I just thought of when you were talking is, in some ways, it's similar to some of their... Uh, what do want to call what, what are they called radio spots or you know mm-hmm. hi we're the Beach Boys you know that kind of thing and and some of them were comedy spots you know with Hal Blaine I think was on one and it just so this is a little bit of a 
kind of that kind of style where kind of Brian, I think, is just say, talk, you know, say something. And obviously with an intent to, to uh, bring humor. I'd love to have a conversation, and, and maybe we'll do this uh, a little bit later on, but, you know, in terms of smile, uh, there's uh, controversy is not the right word, but, you know, it is what it became, but really what it became was how the West was won or lost or, you know, or defeated. You know, I mean, it was really about westward ho in terms of Van Dyke lyrics, but started off, I think, much more of, you know, this will be Brian's humor album. Now, well, that's the thing. I mean, it's it's called Smile, but yeah, I mean, if you look at the, a lot of the key songs, they're they're not funny. Um, they're not yeah. trying to be. They're they're somewhat menacing, mysterious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are little there are little bits here and there, and and that sort of leads me on to my next choice, which is uh, Heroes and Villains. Which you know, if if you think of the. Uh, 1967 single version the humor is not so apparent there but i mean when we get into the rollicking seven minute version and we can we can talk further about smile later but um you know we'll call them heroes and villains parts one and part two as as they are on the uh, the box right. set but you know so you have for example this this moment in the middle where it sounds like you know, a bunch of animals in the pen doing God knows what, you know, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's like, it's like the craziest break, you know, maybe in their whole catalog. Like it's just, uh, it's just insane. Uh, and there's little, little moments of, uh, you're under arrest, like coming out of nowhere. And it's, it's a, it's a bit yeah. of a shock to the senses, you know, and I, I would consider that humor as well. So, you know, maybe Brian was trying to go further with the humor element on that album than, 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 you know, from what we ended up seeing, but, uh, those to me are, are are the humorous moments of smile. Yeah, I, I agree. In fact, Heroes and Villains is on my list just primarily for that that you're under arrest statement. Uh, it, it can't be perceived as anything else but an attempt at uh, humor. Um, again, maybe you know some snarky humor or something, but it, it, it it's just having fun, uh, even though you know someone's dying or the girl gets shot, whatever. But uh, I just appreciate that about the Beach Boys. Now, I've never, I've not, you know, there's a lot of other groups that I know their songs and like them, but I've never delved into any other group as much as with the Beach Boys. So maybe other groups, maybe there's a lot of groups like this, but they just seem to have a good sense of themselves. And like you said with the party album, they don't mind poking fun at themselves. I I just think that's a a high form of not just humor, but of, of, you know, self-awareness. It's kind of cool. Yes, definitely. Okay, so side two, cut two. So I might give you two here for the price of one. I, I wow. feel that they're related. But the first one I'm going to mention is I'd Love Just Once to See You. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is – you talk about the Friends era. This is the kind of era where Brian – it seems like it's all happening in live time. It seems like he's he's telling you about his evening as it's as it's transpiring. He's – He's doing the dishes. He's rinsing up the the sink. He's sweeping the floor. He's thinking of this girl, you know. And it just kind of carries you along. It's it's a, it's a beautiful little sing song, a little bit different, a little unique in the Beach Boys canon. Like there's there's no real harmonies. A little bit at the end, um, and it's guitar driven. Um, but then all of a sudden, there's this twist line at the end, you know, because the refrain, I'd love just wants to see you. And then he says, in the nude. I mean, the first time I heard that, I was like blown away because, I mean, you just don't expect that. It, it, it's a total, exactly. 
it's a total trick, you know, and uh, and and it's hilarious. And it's interesting. Um, Wild Honey is, is is a great album, very special to me and uh, to other people as well. And, and I'm thinking of Robert Crisco, who's the uh, former Village Voice critic and you know the, the dean of American rock critics, so he calls himself. But um, he once did a list of his 10 favorite albums of all time, and Wild Honey was on that list. He thinks Wild Honey is a great, great album. Cool. And if you read his review, he, he's trying to figure out what the overall message of the album is, and he says humor. And that's an interesting statement, because when you think about it song for song, as I've done, I don't really think a lot of them are, are, are funny songs, but I mean, the ones that are funny do stand out, and this one, more than any of them. Also, you know, it ends with Mama Says, you know, which is a silly, fun leftover from, from the smile section where he's reciting, eat a lot, drink a lot, brush them yeah. like crazy. So... I, I think uh, it, maybe maybe you know having a couple of humorous cuts kind of infuses the the entire album. Yeah, it sure, and certainly when I love just once to see you, that's an absolute intention is to catch you by surprise and to bring a smile to your face. And um, and again, in so much of Brian's humor, it's it's uh, honest uh, and and naive at the same time. Um, not that he'd never seen a woman nude before. I mean, no one would think that. But just, just the believability of that song, even now as I listen to it, it's, it's like I know it's coming, but it's just, <laughs> you know, it's exactly what you did. The chuckle comes. You can't not chuckle. I love it. Okay, well, side I, two. Go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say, and I, I think we have the same thing years later with the Dennis song, Wild Situation. Now, I, I don't know if you're familiar with, there's there's a released version. You know which song I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a released version that came out uh, in 2008 when they released um, Pacific Ocean Blue and, and Bamboo, his follow-up solo album on, on the B-side. Uh, have you ever heard the version that did not get released? Well, I'll let you finish the story. I think I have, but I'll let you break it. Go ahead. I don't even know if I can like repeat the line uh, in this podcast. It's uh, it's a bit on the uh, <laughs> on the R if not X-rated side. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, but go ahead. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> so wild situation is a song I love, and I, I I'm not so crazy about the mix that's released. There there's another mix that I've heard, which I think it's a fantastic soulful rocker by Dennis, and uh, you know it's about meeting this woman and. You know, I guess they're engaging in a, in a romantic relationship, and you know, it seems like kind of standard sort of sexy rock and roll territory. And uh, you know, the closing refrain is, "It's a real wild situation." You know, we've heard this repeatedly. It sort of like lulls you at the end of the song, and then the very last line, Dennis says, "She got it hard, and now it's a big erection." I mean, the first time I heard that, <laughs> it was like it was like I I love just once to see you all over again. You know, like that that little twist, and then the song just ends right there, at least on the version that I'm referring to. And uh, I, I thought gonna, it was a great funny ending to, uh, to a great You're going to help somebody sell a lot of bootlegs with, with that. they got to hear that. Um, yeah, okay, so side two, uh, uh, cut four, right? What right. Uh, yeah. Help is on the way. Oh, really? So this is a song that was recorded around the time of Surf's Up and, and was not included on that album, although I think it would have been nice. I mean, with Surf's Up, for the most part, they go for a very sort of serious, moody sound. Uh, but this is Pure Brian, 
stark naked in front of my mirror, a pudgy person somehow did appear. And so it goes. I mean, there's lyrics about sugar and fat and triply chins and doughy lungs. Yeah, that does fit. Very good. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, who is singing about this kind of stuff? Like, I mean, it's it's just it's just crazy, you know, that uh, that Brian would sing in such an unselfconscious way. Uh, And I think it's a great song, too. I think it's really, really catchy with some great harmonies and uh, only Brian would would write a song like this. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that one. That was not on my list, but uh, definitely, again, some self-parody kind of stuff. Absolutely. Uh, Side two, cut five, right? I don't know what number we're at, but uh, I I, I skipped one chronologically (laughs) that I'll go back to, which is Cool, Cool Water. Humor, okay, how? Well, I think it's got one of the funniest lines in uh, in Beach Boys music where Mike says, in an ocean or in a glass, cool water is such a gas. It's, it's okay, another one of those lines that surprises you. You know, it's just witty. I mean, and this is great. This is This song is so experimental. You know, it's got remnants of smile. Uh, it's got all kinds of weird, you know, replicating the sound of water with their voices. So, I mean, it's Brian at his most ambitious, and yet, you know, with Mike's lyrics, it's funny at the same time. So it's it's light. Like, it's not like a heavy, like, I'm, you know, we're not trying to, like, have a huge message or anything like that. But, I mean, it is, a, it is an experiment in sound, and, and yet fun and entertaining at the same time. That's that's the Beach Boys at their best. Yeah, I, you know, I haven't really thought about that. Uh, I'm thinking of the soaring part of it, you know, cool, cool water, the the, the 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 chapel's sound of the choir kind of thing, taking you into the, you know, uh, stratosphere. And then uh, the, the photo, to me, is some guy taking a gulp of water on a hot day. It's, ah, you know, it's refresh. you know, like a commercial for a soda pop. It's refreshing. So in, a good. They're amazing with how they can juxtapose things that seem totally, totally on different poles and yet fit in the same song. So, well, I think this is why a lot of people don't understand or don't really appreciate the Beach Boys because they think the subject matter is fluffy, you know, and and they don't realize that even when when that seems to be the case, like if you look at a song like Salt Lake City. You know, listen to it without the lyrics. I mean, obviously they were trying to reach out oh to God, a teen yeah. market, but listen to the track. I mean, that, there's nothing fluffy like that's that's a that's a dense, beautifully arranged track, and there's many examples like that. You know, there that song that that song track stands up with any Beatles track of that same time period. Would you agree? Yes, and and I mean, Teen Symphony. That's that's what that's what Brian liked to do. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what's next? I think it's uh, song five of the second side. That's right. Um, The TM song. Oh, yeah, okay, go ahead. That's good. You know, it's interesting that I've just skipped a whole bunch of years and albums, but when you think about it, um, Surf's Up... Carl and the Passions, Holland. There's not a lot of humor on those albums. They're, 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 they're <laughs> for the most part, quite devoid of humor because this is the hip era, right? Like, this is yeah. the rest of the Beach Boys, because Brian's not so much in control anymore. This is the rest of the Beach Boys trying to reach out to a new audience to prove that they're, they're cool. It was all about being cool, and, and, and right. there wasn't a lot of room for humor. Then Brian comes back in 1976, and all of a sudden we have humor again uh, and quirkiness, you know, in, in these Beach Boys mm-hmm. records. And TM song, you know, what I'm referring to specifically is the opening, I don't know how long it is, 20, 30 seconds, where it's, it's you know, there's an altercation that's going on in the driveway. 
you know, like uh, somebody driving their car on somebody's front lawn and a fight breaks out and people come in and it's them like acting it out. This is exactly the kind of thing Brian was doing in Smile, you know, with Hal Blaine and the rest of the guys, like, you know, inventing these comic scenarios and and putting them in songs. So, uh, although the rest of the song I wouldn't say is necessarily humorous, although it sure is quirky, I think there's Brian being uh, his quirky best again. Well, yeah, and, and I'm psychoanalyzing again, and, and there's no one to d- disagree. Well, you can disagree, but I meant none of the Beach Boys to disagree or defend themselves. But every time I listen to that, and I know that I come from a you know Christian background, and they would say TM and Christianity are not mutually exclusive, but it's, TM's just a tool. But you know, I won't go down that road. All I'm trying to say is uh, I'm not trying to be against it because it's TM. But it, it just sounds... Uh, I understand the humor part that you've uh, pulled out, but in some ways it almost sounds like, is this someone who is trying to uh, really promote TM? And the song sounds anything but, but but meditative and reflective. And I know Friends, the whole album, you know, that tries to emulate that. Uh, but not. I don't think this song is attempting to do that. So maybe it's a little humor, a little parody. I don't know, but uh, it, it's, well, it's interesting too that you mentioned friends because the closing track transcendental meditation and uh, Proben Gregory who's in Brian's band just posted about this the other day when he was saying that, you know, that track is anything but soothing in the way transcendental meditation exactly. is supposed to be. So, I mean, it, it is, it is interesting how Brian approaches transcendental meditation. And I mean, I don't think transcendental meditation caught on in a huge way with Brian. I know he did it for, right. for a number of years, but I mean, he hasn't stuck with it like we know Mike has, and I, I believe Al has as well. Right, they both have. Yeah, so I don't know if there's a subtle jab there, but uh, just an interesting, again, juxtaposition of uh, music that sounds anything but meditative, exactly. Okay, last cut, side two. Johnny Carson. <laughs> what a song. Go ahead. I mean, if it. you are, if you're going to, you know, talk about a humor album. How about you know, the funniest guy in, in late night television? And I mean, this this to me comes back to my earlier point about it's what Brian sings about. Like, who sings about Johnny Carson? When I've played this song for people for the first time, they're like, why is he like singing about Johnny Carson? Because it's just so atypical. Because people are singing love songs or whatever, and I mean, yeah. he's singing about Johnny Carson. And and you know, to mention Robert Crisco again, he he called that an act of shamanism, no less. Like, I mean, he's a huge fan of the Beach Boys' "Love You" album. And I mean, it's Brian's view of the world. Brian is this yeah. kind of innocent, wide-eyed guy, but perceptive. You know, he's he's seeing what's around him, whether it's wind chimes or Johnny Carson. He's seeing what's around him, and he's writing a great song about it. You know, and that that makes Brian so special and so unique. I think. Yeah, I, to me, and I don't know what you know what context he was, what caused him to write it, but it's uh, the song is different than some of the you know I fell asleep or. You know, I uh, had to phone you. But in terms of topic, it's like uh, the world according to Garp. It's, it's you know, like, oh, yeah, um, there's a park bench. I fell asleep on this. There's a phone call. I, I, I scribbled a phone number. Oh, yeah, Johnny Carson's on TV. It's it's like you say, the world according to Brian Wilson. And, and I remember hearing it for the first time, just not, I didn't know how to, I didn't know where to put it in my brain. You know, it was just, where does this fit? And I, maybe the point is, you know, it, on one hand, it doesn't, but on the other hand, it's like, Hey, it's, uh, it's existential. It's what it was, you know, in his moment kind of thing. So, kind Absolutely. Of cool. 
So any bonus cuts? Well, I mean, I could go on. I have a lot of bonus cuts, but we, we haven't heard uh, what your choices are. Okay, but I'll give you, we'll give us one bonus cut if it comes to mind. Uh, what will I pull out for you? How about Life is for the Living? Really? So here's a song. That <laughs> That's a hard I, one for me anyway, but go ahead. <laughs> so, you know, around the same time as he was doing Johnny Carson, he did this album uh, called Adult Child, which right. a lot of it was in the sort of big band arrangements of, of Sinatra and the in the 50s uh and this would have been the opening cut and it's it's so it's pretty crazy on one hand that it's a beach boys album that that's produced like this but i mean you know don't sit on your ass smoking grass that stuff went out a long time ago i mean it's just it's just i remember playing this song or somebody coming in while I was listening to the song and like laughing. I mean, it, it, it's just pretty funny because, like, I mean, that's a great rhyme. And you know, again, who who sings about this kind of stuff uh, <laughs> other than Brian? I mean, we, like, he has a lot of these health things, and I mean, that's always funny because we know how much he likes steaks and hamburgers. But he has all these songs <laughs> about good health, and you know, and then he writes a song about this. You know, uh, that's funny in and of itself too. When you mentioned health, I thought of too much sugar. That that could be. It's not on my list. It, it certainly could fit in the. That was one that I considered as well. Yes. Okay. Well, I'll give you my list. We'll probably go through it much more quickly because some of these are overlaps. But uh, for me, uh, I, I'm kind of uh, chronological here. Maybe not quite as much as you. But anyway, I started off with a silly songs medley, and I just put three of them in. There could have been more. Actually, you mentioned some. Um, but Chug-a-Lug, which was also your f- first song. Cuckoo Clock, right. which just the title is like, do we really want to listen to this song? What in the world is this? Uh, and then uh, the Monster Mash. They didn't write it, but of course they uh, they used it on their concert album. Right. And it's a, it's a novelty song to begin with. I understand that. But it's kind of like the, you know, the Beach Boy Five. They kind of make it their own. Um, and, you know, maybe I'm such a fan that I'm overstating that, but I, I just felt like they owned the humor in that and even, um, you know, made their group part of it. So my first leadoff would be some kind of medley or whatever you'd call it uh, with those three songs, more by topic than necessarily, uh, you know, the way they try to sing it. I thought they tried to sing the cuckoo clock kind of straight, but uh, maybe not. I I think uh, regarding Monster Mash, I think on the concert album, Brian introduces it by saying it's Mike's favorite song. I think so. But 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 it gave Mike an opportunity because he'd really ham it up on that one. If you've seen the videos, you know yes, like, he, yeah. he had his crazy dance moves to begin with. But uh, you know there'd be yeah. close-ups, there'd be lighting, he'd be making faces and stuff like that. So he uh, he had a great time singing that one live. Yeah, they were they they had a sense of. Uh, I mean, I know that when they first started performing, they were pretty, you know. Uh, almost standing at attention kind of thing, and they didn't do the R and B thing with kicking their legs. And uh, you know, I think if it wasn't for Mike, they they may have may have just been like a recording group doing it live. But uh, they they did get a sense of uh, theater. That's not the right word, totally, but uh, the, the the artistic expression, even if it's in this case very funny and silly and stupid. Um, again, not taking themselves too seriously. I don't know too many. I don't know other groups that that, uh, did this kind of thing, so it's kind of cool. You know, though, I don't think either of us are going to mention any songs from Pet Sounds. I thought about it. There's there's no humor at all in that album. There's no attempt at humor. It's funny. Smile has a lot more of it than Pet Sounds. Yeah, you're right. I tried to find something in there. Okay, here's here's humor in in the wide definition of the word. 
the uh, uh, bicycle horn. Uh, I know he's using it for sound, but I, I, I just think it's like Brian saying, hey, look, I can put any instrument I want and make it work. Now, that's me. Uh, I don't know if he even thought that. But well, so, I mean, that, apparently that track was originally called In My Childhood, and who knows what the lyrics would have been. But, yeah, ah, it, yeah. I mean, that, that would have been a whole different – who knows? Who knows what uh, what he was going for with that original? He just kept that in, you know, cause it, cause because it, it was as recorded. As yeah, yeah. So, cool. yeah, who knows what his intention was. Okay, side one, cut two, is in the parking lot. Um, uh, okay. Uh, just, just, you know, it's serious with quotes. I mean, he, he presents it seriously, like, and it's, 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 it's a scene that could re- it probably happen a lot, maybe still happens, you know, a guy <laughs> and a gal in a car wanting to make out, and, or at least, you know, being together, even if they're just listening to the news. But, but uh, here comes the news, there's no time to lose. That's another one of those great lines. Um, so it, it's like, you know, they are what they are at that time. They're, they're teenagers, most of them singing about teenage stuff. But, you know, there's that tongue-in-cheek, make, making uh, making fun of themselves. You know, got to get to class right away. It's not just a love song about two teenagers. So I think there's, there's a great line in that one. song where he goes, uh, it's not my metal flake paint that the guys are digging when they pass by. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that leads to my side one cut three uh drive in because i think that's i thought of that one yeah uh and the great line from that one for me is remember only you can prevent forest fires which i think has taken on a a new humor in that i have a feeling that most fans who you know in the maybe the 90s or 2000s get introduced to beach boy songs maybe have no idea what that means you know the old Smokey the bear thing right um, so uh, I think that's kind of, that, if nothing else, that part is funny. But just the whole idea, of, you know, jump, jumping in the trunk of the car and. Oh, there's a yeah, there's a great oh. line there. Um, uh, what was it? Uh, Don't sneak your buddies in the trunk because they might get caught and they look yeah. kind of stupid getting chased through the lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, great line. Um, self-driving I, I think it's yeah, a, a good one my next three are really um skit what i'll call skit type things and i'm surprised you didn't mention any of them maybe because well i'll just mention them uh first one is cassius love versus sonny wilson i the knew you'd have one that is, one <laughs> i'm sorry i knew you would have that one yeah <laughs> You meant that as a compliment to me, I'm sure. Well, uh, that's why I, I stayed away from it. I'd like, oh, you know, I'd you're like so to have kind. it exclusively. Oh, you're great. Thanks, Mark. Uh, our favorite recording sessions and bull session with Big Daddy. Uh, right. Cassius Love versus Sonny Wilson. You know, again, it's just silly. It's crazy. It's a fun skit. But again, it's they're making fun of themselves. And, and it's it's like I'm bugged at my old man. Uh, I'm, I'm reaching a little bit here. But really, that song, uh, if you can call it that, uh, about you know, Brian versus Mike, Mike versus Brian, is really a, a relational theme throughout their whole, well, going over 50 years now. And sometimes it caused them to sue each other and speak ill of each other. I mean, again, I'm, I'm overreaching a little bit, but it really has the seed of both the, the fun of it song, the joy of being young and goofy, but also the seed of uh, where their relationship was very difficult. What do you think? 
Absolutely. I mean, you can't help but, you know, in this day and age, listen to that and think that, you know, here are two guys, like, they might be making fun of each other just, just for the sake of making fun of each other on this record, but, you know, they, they would have more serious artistic differences, uh, you know, just a few years later. So uh, it, it certainly is a prescient that way, I guess. Yeah, and our favorite recording sessions, I think that's the one, uh, who, who's the one who jumps into the cup of water or whatever that line is. I mean, so there's some funny things in that. But for me, our favorite recording sessions, I remember when uh, they started, you know, really messing up with the Beach Boy catalog and put songs mm-hmm. just on albums that, or they put an album out, but the, this they, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't have this song on it, or if you can even call it a song, this cut. And I felt so bad about that because it's like, if you really enjoy Beach Boy music, you, well, and maybe it's just a few of us fanatics. I mean, that was a gift. I know it wasn't a real recording session, but it's like, that's, I can't speak for everybody, but as a fanatic fan, that's what I, you know, if I could go back in time, I'd love to go back into one of their recording sessions. And so that's as close as I could get at that point. So maybe that's not humor, but, uh, you know, again, it's, it's, it's giving us a glimpse of of life as a Beach Boy. Oh, you're right. I mean, very valuable at the time because there was no YouTube. There was no, like, here's a video of us in the studio. There was no Facebook. There's no, like, Brian posting, well, we had this session today. So, yeah, you, you either went to see them in concert, you know, you read a magazine article, if it, they happen to have one about them, or, you know you heard it on a record like that. So, and I, and that, that's kind of neat that one too because if if I recall, uh that's that's the one on the on the near the end of uh, All Summer Long, correct? Yeah, I think so. Or is, is it that and, and and Brian goes that's up not. there's this there's this audio effect at the end where Brian, you know, says, "Okay, we have to hit C or yeah. whatever the note is and he walks over you hear him walking oh, yeah, over yeah. to the piano and he hits the note and then that's the note that begins the, the next and final song which is um, Don't Back Down Exactly yeah that segue is, is classic and I'd love to ask did, was that planned or did that happen by accident maybe you had to re-record it but I mean did, did that just come spontaneously I mean that was such a cool thing so I, I don't I guess I almost go in two different directions between they kind of just made it up as they went along versus like any song, they maybe actually sat down and thought about it, you know, and even wrote some of the lines. I don't know. Well, I mean, it seems like a throwaway, but I mean, I think Brian really liked to experiment with the studio and experiment with humor. Exactly. And I think if you, if you like the beach, if you're, if you're a greatest hits fan, you don't need to listen to that. But if you like what the beach boys do uh, is, rudimentary now as this one is I, and the same one coming up little session with big daddy I, i'm glad that they i'm glad that these were recorded and released at least even if uh you know that they still don't uh include you know while they weren't including them i like both session with big daddy because it's just again it's like i'm i'm having uh burgers with the beach boys it uh, it it's kind of an inane conversation they're making fun of the the guy who's interviewing them. Uh, there's a longer Pearl version Leaf. of that. Have you ever heard that one? I don't think so. Yeah, I think it's just tape rolling, and instead of the three minutes, it was maybe seven or eight. I should have looked it up for this podcast, but it's at least two, three times as long. No revelations. I mean, they cut it for a good reason. But, again, it's it's sitting at the table with chowing down with the Beach Boys. Uh, Kosher pickles. Think, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's dream come true. 
oh, the, there's still hair on the lamb's head or whatever that was. I mean, and now that definitely was spontaneous, as, as best I can tell. That those kind of quips. So they're funny guys. They're funny guys. My side two starts with uh, your uh, suggestion earlier, the Beach Boy Party album. Right. Um, we don't have to go back over that. Just it, it, uh, even Bar. You know, we didn't mention Barbaran. Uh, the humor of Dean being on the record singing lead when his, you know, when Liberty told him or was a Columbia, whichever one told him not to do it. Um, and then, you know, thanks Dean at the end, they just have a good sense of, uh, again, of themselves. So I like that. I, I had to remind when I, when I spoke to Dean that there's a part in that song where Dennis yells out, sing on key, Dean. Yeah. <laughs> It's wonderful. Uh, cut two. You you had uh, I bugged at my old man, so we've talked about that. Uh, I lo- love the phrase. Gosh, it's dark. Uh, wonder if that was an ad lib. Uh, number three was a uh, tune you talked almost talked about was uh, vegetables or vegetables, depending on how you want to read it and pronounce it. I love one of the lines. All the, all the vegetable stuff is just crazy and silly and funny. But I love the line of uh, you know, the, uh, the ten, my tenny flew right off. I'm red as a beet. I'm yeah. so embarrassed. Uh, you know, that's actually some pretty good writing for, for what, what they're doing. But I, I told you, uh, and as we were texting each other before this, uh, I heard a story from Al that at Al's concert, it really wasn't from Al. He had a video clip, and I was you know too much in the moment to jot down the guy's name. I'm sure it's easily findable, but it was either a recorder or the owner, uh, or the, the uh, uh, recording engineer or the owner of the studio where they were recording vegetables. And he said something like, you know, Brian came up to me and said, hey, uh, we're going to go down to the market and bring a truckload. He said truckload, maybe a, you know, maybe a Chevy truck size load. I don't know what it was. But in other words, I, and suddenly he's giving me the picture that something bigger is happening here. I always thought this was probably, you know, they had on a table a few carrots and celery and put it by the mic. Uh, but what he said was that uh, they brought in plastic and covered the floor and all of the walls and they cut up all the vegetables. And it sounds, it sounds like they had the, uh, Mosh pit's not the right word, but just it, it sounds like it was gruesome in there with all the vegetables. And I, I don't know if they're recording at the same time. I don't know, but it, this is kind of what, what what do they call that art? Not theater art, but, you know. Uh, performance art. Just, yeah, performance art, something like that. I mean, you know, so Brian's operating on a number of levels. He's actually, it's a pretty good song, uh, crazy topic, uh, having fun with it, uh, but also this art, artistic thing. Uh, so I would have loved to have seen that session or, or the, the cleanup afterwards. But uh, Vegetable certainly is, is one of the humor songs that I, I think they've done. Definitely. And, and again, it comes down to what, what are they singing about? They're singing about vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. The, the, maybe one day we'll do a list of, of songs like Really, these are songs, you know. Again, I went to I went to sleep. That's going to be a song that we'd want to play over and over again. Right. Uh, my ne- my next one was the one you talked about. I'd love just wants to see you in the nude. That had to be on there. And then uh, side two, number five, I put down just today. Take a load off your feet. 
Right. Um, it, it's again just that simple. This is part of life. Hey, sit down, relax. You know, uh, let your feet chill, so to speak. But I think there's there's some humor in that. And well, then I, I, and I, I think you know I mentioned this earlier. Sometimes it's the way a song is recorded. And I love that song, "Take a Lot of Your Feet." I think it's so underrated, and it's the only sort of ray of sunshine on on the Surf's Up album. You know, it brings some lightness, yeah. some humor, um, but also you got these effects. You know, and that's I guess what Brian was there for. I mean, you, you hear like I don't know. It sounds like spoons reverberating or something, and it flips over from one channel to the other. I mean, Brian was doing a lot of that kind of stuff in that era, and. Uh, you know, it it, 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 it it wakes you up, you know, if, when you're listening to that, especially on headphones, you know. There's there's cleverness in the production. It's not only in the lines, you know, and then how they're being sung. Yeah, good way to put it. I didn't pick it. Song six for me is bonus cuts, and they're really just sayings, and we've, we've mentioned a couple of these. Um, cost too much in amusement parks USA. Yes, <laughs> yes. Just love when that comes out. It's like you cheapskate. I, I just love it. Um, I'll give them, and then you can respond. There's four of them. Cost too much. You've already mentioned heroes and villains. You're under arrest. Yeah. Um, obviously, that doesn't surprise me anymore. But it, it always it, just love how that comes out. Uh, and I go back to uh, Santa's beard. I mean, first of all, who, who would write a song about Santa's beard? But if you think about it, it's it's just a song about an older brother taking his younger brother, and the kid pulls the beard, and you know, in in that kid's life, tragedy happens. So it's just kind of a a, a story song. Except I love the line, "You shouldn't have pulled Santa's beard." It's like, well, what were you thinking he was going to do? Again, just some, to me, a comic statement. Uh, maybe more of the comedy is that that that, that the guy, the older brother had no sense that that would even happen. Uh, and maybe that's true because of his age at the time, whatever. And then one more uh, saying statement is where uh, Dennis says, skiss me, baby, because he was going to sing the other lyric and, and uh, do you want to dance? I just like yeah. that about the Beach Boys. There are songs with mistakes, uh, talking, uh, you know, again, it makes me feel like an insider and I, I, you know, it tells more about me than them, but uh, just hearing them be very real and, um, and, and not worried too much about stuff like that. So there's, there's a few bonus cuts. Talk about them if you want to. Yeah. I mean, Santa's beer is one that I considered as well. And then I, I was like, you know, listening to it and I'm like, in a way, it's not funny, like, because, you know, this poor kid is like, you know, he's got like this this really sad dose of reality, you know. Yeah, like, I, right. I couldn't really find Dark like, humor. Dark humor. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 when you think about what the song is about, it, it's funny, but then when you actually listen to it, I guess it depends your perspective. Um, yeah, so, I mean, of, of the ones you mentioned, uh, that, that was the one that stood out. A lot of people refer to that Dennis uh, mistake in uh, Do You Want to Dance? Um, and what was the other one? The first one you mentioned there that uh... cost too oh, much. Oh yeah, amusement parks USA. Uh, one of the ones I was going to talk about as maybe two for the price of one again. Uh, County Fair and oh yeah, uh, and amusement parks USA. Really the same kind of thing because they're exactly. about going going to the fair, going to the amusement park, and and the funny things that happen. And County Fair is a pretty funny song because it's about a guy that goes you know, with his girlfriend and she wants him to win a prize by hitting the, hitting the bell and, uh, he can't do it. And then some other guy steps up and, 
you know, and it's hilarious the way the song ends too. Like uh, she refers to the new guy's muscles, and then she says to the guy that took her, like, "I don't need you anymore, you know, loser." Yeah. <laughs> you know, as, as the song fades out, that's uh, that's pretty funny. Amusement Parks USA just has those great. It, it's almost pre psychedelic. Like it has that kind of like carnival type uh, stuff yeah. going on alongside the music, and uh, yeah, I think Hal Blaine's probably the Barker in that. Uh, in that particular track, and uh, yeah, the ten cents cost too much. I think is Brian singing. Uh, that always gets a good laugh. It, it's uh, fun to compare that with the version that came out at Maine in California, which is a little, you know, the early version that uh, was good, but you can see how it got improved. I don't remember all the barking that went on in the middle, but uh, they refined it. Well, by, by Barker, I mean like a carnival barker where he goes, right. "Hurry, hurry, yeah. hurry, step right." But I don't. I'm exactly. not sure if that's how or not. I'm guessing. I'm, yeah, that may not be, um, but Hal's certainly done a done some radio spots like that. So that, that just again, I think they're very creative in how they do that. When when you mentioned the carnival thing, I suddenly thought of uh, uh, sailplane loop de loop, which is also about you know carnivals and, and that kind of outdoorish feel. And yet, I don't think that's as funny, or maybe maybe Al meant it not to be, but. Uh, I don't know that there's funny lines in there, none that I could remember, and I didn't play it before we did this, whereas Amusement Parks USA really, you know, takes that little jab and goes with it. Well, and then they redid, uh, I love uh, the 1969 version of, of Loop-de-Loop, where uh, Al has a very high-pitched kind of psychedelic voice. I, I guess he didn't like that, so he recorded it, you know, much later for, um, Yeah. I think it was for the box set in 93, but it didn't come out until... Uh, the uh, Endless Harmony collection later on, mm-hmm. where where he does like a sort of more straight vocal, but I, I like uh, I like that earlier vocal better. But they redid that in the '70s for their unreleased Christmas album called uh, Santa's Got an Airplane, I believe, and uh, that I, w- I would say is uh, is more humorous. Just the idea of Santa's not he can't do it with a sled anymore. He needs a plane. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I'm glad you said that about Santa's Got an Airplane because it is funny. I think my trouble with that is I felt like that they were being so they were just being desperate and trying to find songs for a Christmas album. So, uh, you know, that's my blockage from just accepting it as a as a regular old song. But no, I agree. Um, I I love their their attempt at humor. Hey, let me read a quote. Maybe we'll uh, finish with a conversation on this. If you have any thoughts, uh, this is Mike Michael Vossi, 1969. Worked with the Beach Boys during the Smile era. He says, Brian told me that he felt laughter was one of the highest forms of divinity and that it made that person more open than they could be at other points. You can find that in all art forms. The minute you have someone laughing, you also have them vulnerable, which means you can either shock them, make them laugh more, or at that moment you can be very honest with them. And Brian felt that it was time to do a humor album. So he's kind of explaining the album of Smile, but he's also explaining a little bit of Brian's mindset, and that goes back. I'll stop with this and see what you have to say, but it goes back to the definition of humor, the second one that says it's really a mood, a state of mind. I would even say it's a perspective about life and yourself where you're able to laugh at things that are very funny, and frankly, you're able to laugh at the foibles of what it means to be human and make mistakes. Your thoughts? Well, I, I, I can't add much to that. I think that that really sums it up very nicely. But I mean, I, I think, you know, Brian is, 
is a bit of a smiling Buddha. He's, you know, that, that line about him being a shaman. I mean, he, he is, he has, he has like a, in a way, maybe at his best, he has like a heightened perception, like not, 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 he perceives things in a way different than that's we do. And, and that's why we love hearing his stuff because he's going to bring us something in his music that we don't expect, you know, and it's going to disarm us. And sometimes it is funny. And, uh, you know, he seems like such a, when you see him in concert, he's so, mellow and laid back but i mean he's always had a very fertile mind you know and we're we're the beneficiaries of that i love your phrase a heightened perception and i totally agree and yet if you here's mike you, you can respond and certainly disagree anytime but uh i think of john lennon also having a heightened perception um you know his universe song is very different than brian's solar system song now that you know everybody writes their own songs but just both men with heightened perceptions, and yet what I not that John Lennon didn't have a sense of humor, although I think it was very it was more on the you know cynical sarcastic side right uh, I, I think Brian's was much more uh, self effacing and and maybe too much of a way for him, but also looking for joy, making God smile in fact, um some Christian artists a while back, maybe fifteen twenty years ago now, but they did an album of uh, Beast Boy covers, and they called it Making God Smile. And the whole right. idea here was that, you know, um, those are songs that uh, God would like to hear, so to speak. So, the humor album. Uh, maybe it's, I almost thought of calling this a humor playlist because, of course, there is no humor album, but uh, it was fun to do it with that format. Any comments great before to, we... It would be great to hear from Brian what, what, what he intended to have on this humor album and if any of the things that he has recorded... <laughs> We're intended for that album. And then we can start putting it together. I love it. There we go. So we'll try to reach Brian and see if he'll talk to us. That'd be great. Anything else uh, before we cut off? No, I think that's good. I think we covered it. That's uh, that's my smile for the day. All right. Thanks, Mark. We'll talk again soon. Don't go away.